welcome back to the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. It is Thursday, June 30th. We're here, the last day of June. And it's me, it's Pat, for those who uh, are new here. Uh, gonna be doing a sporadic, or not sporadic, I guess, uh, spontaneous is the word I'm looking for. Review of AEW, uh, AEW Dynamite from last night, as well as Talking Forbidden Door, which happened this past Sunday. We did not do a proper review for it, so doing it now. Uh, still... Missing my co-host here, no Joey. One day. One day maybe he'll return. Who knows? But for me, or for now, it's just me. But we're going to go through Forbidden Door, just run down the card, and I'll give my thoughts on some of the bigger matches and talk about Dynamite from last night. And that's it. So hopefully, fairly short episode today. We'll see how that goes. Uh, if you're new here, please consider subscribing to the podcast, whether you're listening on streaming services or on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening on one of those platforms and would prefer to jump to the other, the links to those are all in the episode description. So if you're on YouTube and you want to listen to it on like Spotify, you can do that. Leave the links down below. So feel free to do that. If you're listening on YouTube, please leave a comment, leave a like, subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, uh, also subscribe to the podcast. But also you can leave a review or a rating, and we would appreciate that very much. So... Uh, please consider doing that. Without further ado, though, let's just jump into things because we got some stuff to talk about. So we're going to kick things off with Forbidden Door since we're going in chronological order, and that was Sunday. Um, and it was from the United Center. We got together. We all watched it live. Um, and yeah, uh, going into this, uh, I think our hype levels were all, you know, at a, a mixed level. Where, like, hey, it was exciting because it was AEW and New Japan, but the build and the card to it weren't the most exciting things in the world. And obviously the show was hampered by a lot of injuries and people getting sick last minute. So, um, yeah. That being said, I thought that this show exceeded all expectations and is definitely one of the best pay-per-views of the year um, for any wrestling company. Uh, It felt like New Japan felt hotter than it's been in years because of this show, mainly because they, you know, were able to have fans that were cheering and clapping, uh, and to the Chicago crowd that was there, they were just, everybody from New Japan was a star, uh, everybody from AEW was a star, everybody got great reactions, the crowd was into basically the entire show, um, and yeah, so, uh, we had a buy-in here, uh, with originally three matches, but they added a fourth, um, at the start of the buy-in. So our first match was Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi from New Japan taking on The Factories, Aaron Solo, and QT Marshall. Um, the crowd was very heated for this, mainly because QT was there, um, who they could just boo out of the building. Um, and they reacted really good for Goto and Yoshihashi. I was as, as a res, like as our resident fan of Goto and Yoshihashi for the podcast. It was nice to see them get a very good reaction from this crowd, especially on the buy-in. Um, I thought this was a you know fairly quick and painless match. It was you know fun, uh, enjoyable, and it was nice to see Bishamon get like a rub here. Um, and they they did defeat Solo and QT Marshall to kick things off. We then got Lance Archer representing Suzuki Goon. Uh, taking on Nick Camarado, also from the factory. Um, this I, I have nothing really to say about this. This was really just like a a match to like kind of heat up Lance Archer uh, ahead of the G1, and also to have him represent New Japan. Kind of, uh, he defeated Nick Camarado. Crowd was into Lance though, so that's cool. Um, the actual like star main attraction of this buy-in was not the main event i was assuming it would be but uh, it was swerving our glory keith lee and swerve strickland taking on suzuki goons el desperado and yoshinobu kanemaru 
Kanemaru and Desperado are both great. Desperado was incredibly over with this crowd, as were Lee and Strickland. Um, and they, I thought they had a really, really fun match on the pre-show here. Uh, I thought everybody worked really well together. I thought the fake finish of it looking like Suzuki Goon were going to win uh, through some shenanigans and miscommunication with Lee and Swerve. I thought that was really good. The crowd bought into it, too. Um, so we got a, a really good near fall uh, with uh, Keith Lee getting the, uh, the the whiskey in the eyes. But uh, Swerve and Lee would end up getting the victory here, pinning Kanemaru. But this was a really fun match on the pre-show, so um, absolutely worth it. And then the main event of the pre-show was Max Caster, Billy Gunn, Austin Gunn, and Colton Gunn taking on the LA Dojos, Yuya Uemura, uh, Alex Coglin, the DKC, and Kevin Knight. We got our uh, we got our rap from Max Caster, which referenced senpai, uh, hentai, and washing Shibata's balls. And then before the match could start, Danhausen would appear on the Titan Drawn, and he would then play the Ass Boys theme song, and it would cause Austin and Colton Gunn to sprint to the back of the arena to chase down Danhausen, making this a two-on-four handicap match. And Max Caster and Billy Gunn would defeat all of the Young Lions from, from the L.A. Dojo. Um, kind of, kind of strange, but you know it was fine. Like there was no really, there was no, there was no world where the L.A. Dojo guys were going to win this. Um, but it was very strange to see this become a, a two-on-four match. But it is what it is. Um, yeah. And that was the buy-in. Uh, I moved by really quickly. Uh, I was under the assumption that this was starting at like 7 and they were going to do the 30-minute countdown special and then 30 minutes of matches. But no, just like the full hour was dedicated to matches and then some video packages from the countdown thrown in. So I thought it worked pretty well. Um, and again, went by fast. And with this being a 13-match card, having four of the matches on the pre-show definitely was the right move. Uh, the pay-per-view would then kick off with Minoru Suzuki, Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara with Tai, Con- or tai Conti facing Eddie Kingston, Shota Umino, and Wheeler Yuta in a six-man tag team match. And the winning team would receive the man advantage for Blood and Guts on Wednesday. These guys went 20 minutes um, plus entrances to kick off the show. And this was a bonkers uh, trios match. This was so fun. Um, genuinely one of the best matches on the on the show. And this was a show that was, like, loaded. This was just all-out insanity. Everybody was, was working their ass off here. Wheeler Yuta came off like a star. Eddie Kingston was beloved by this audience. Uh, Shota Umino looked like the future face of New Japan here. Uh, Sammy looked really good. Suzuki got some big spots in. Um, he got a nice fake-out suicide dive. He had a big... Slap fest with Eddie Kingston and Jericho looked really good too. So like this was a really fun trios match to kick off the show. Uh, it went way longer than expected, but it was again just everything about this worked so well. Um, g- genuinely, this this was like top tier stuff uh, to kick off the show. And this was a match that I think a lot of people were kind of like rolling their eyes at. Like it just felt like it was very tossed together, but like. By the end of it, we got them playing up the stuff with Shota and Jericho. Um, we got Eddie and Suzuki going at it. We got teases for Blood and Guts. Wheeler Yuta uh, got to look really good. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I thought it was really good. Shota Umino would end up taking the pin for his team. Um, 
after all of them ganged up on him after taking out Kingston and Yuta. Um, but I thought it was really good. I enjoyed this quite a lot. Um, but so the Jericho Appreciation Society would have the man advantage for blood and guts when we got to that. But a, an incredible way to kick off the main show. Uh, we then got the winner-takes-all three-way match for the ROH and IWGP Tag Team Championships. Uh, it was FTR, the ROH t- uh, champions, versus the United Empire, Great Khan and Jeff Cobb, who were the IWGP champions, and Rapungi Vice, Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero. Uh, early on in the match, they would do a storyline injury for uh, Dax Harwood, who would go down and have to be taken to the back. Um, and then Cash obviously was left here alone, uh, facing stacked odds against him. Uh, and then later in the match, Dax would come back. He would storm out from the back, all taped up, and the crowd went wild for him. This was like uh, the hero's welcome as Dax Harwood would come back into the match injured. And these two would fight against the odds here. Um, and honestly, I, I think all the teams worked really good. I really liked Rapungi Vice in this match, uh, but I think Okan and Jeff Cobb continue to click more and more the uh, with each outing they get. But as soon as Dax came back, this match went to like another level. Um, it was like a good start, but once he came back from the fake injury and you know made this back into a proper tag team match, this is when it really kicked into high gear, and the crowd was fully behind this. Um, there was like one botched pin. Um, where the ref counted three, or it looked like he counted three. Um, but even that, like, that didn't really take... I, I can't say that really took away from how good of a match this was. Um, it was still a ton of fun, and FTR got the big moment that everybody was hoping and expecting for, as they would be crowned IWGP Tag Team Champions, which means they are now three uh, three sets of Tag Team Champions. They were the AAA Tag Team Champs the ROH Tag Team Champs, and the IWGP Tag Team Champs. So uh, the, belt collect, uh, the belt collection for FTR continues to grow, and so does their support, as these are two of the most over guys in wrestling right now. Um, and you love to see it. Their babyface work has been great. Transitioning from heels to babyfaces has been really natural for them, um, and they haven't had to like, change up their style. They're just a, a fun team to watch. We then go to our first Fatal 4-Way for the night, which was Pac. Uh, versus Clark Connors, Miro, and Malachi Black for the inaugural AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Uh, obviously, it was supposed to be Tomohiro Ishii in this spot, but Clark Connors was put in after Ishii suffered a leg injury. Uh, just another injury for this uh, show. Um, but, uh, yeah, these guys went around 15 minutes, and it was very clear that people were very into Pac, Miro, and Malachi. Clark came out to kind of a muted reaction, but by the end of it, the crowd was pretty into him, so... I think mission accomplished for the Clark Connors experiment of, you know, tossing him in here. I think he got that time to shine with the crowd and, you know, he went from he went from somebody who I think a lot of people were like eh, not really a star, like why is he replacing Ishii to somebody who was like, "Okay, I understand why he was put in here." So, uh that's cool. I thought the finish was really good, too, with Malachi locking in um, his submission on Clark Connors. Pack went up top, and uh, then, or sorry, we should start with Miro came in uh, after being put through a table um, and just started lighting people up, and he, uh, I believe he got his submission locked in on Pack, and then Malachi came in and missed at him, and that would take Miro out of the match, and then Malachi would lock in his submission on Clark Connors, but Pack was going up top, he nailed 
uh, Malachi with a 450, and then locked in the Brutalizer and tapped out, uh, tapped out Clark Connor. So it was a really fun and fast-paced finish with a lot of moving parts. Um, and it would mean that Pac would, you know, win his first championship in AEW and is a singles champion. Uh, this is somebody who, again, was positioned very highly in AEW in 2019 when the company was first starting. And then obviously the pandemic happened. And, you know, his legs got cut out from underneath him. That's not AEW or his fault. Like, there was, there's no way around that. And since then, it's been kind of start and stop because of, you know, different travel issues and him in the UK. Um, but I, them putting a title on him, I feel like it shows that they're, you know, ready to go with Pac again. And I think part of that is because they have working relationship, uh, working relationships with so many different companies where for some reason he can't come to AEW for a bit. He can go defend this title elsewhere while still repping the brand. Um, so I'm excited for that. I, I'm very happy that Pac got to win. The Dudes with Attitudes, Darby Allin, Sting, and Shingo Takagi, uh, which was supposed to have Hiromu, but he had a fever and could not travel, uh, so that was another person that was taken out, uh, would take on the Bullet Club, El Phantasmo, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson with Hikaleo. Uh, the Dudes with Attitudes would, ma- would make their entrance first, and uh, then there was no Sting. Sting failed to appear for his entrance, and so the Bullet Club would come out, oh, excuse me, and we would... Uh, they they would come out, they'd stand on top of the stage, pose, and then the lights would go out, and they would shine a light up into the rafters to indicate Sting was up there. The lights would go out again, and when they came back up, Sting was on top of the entrance tunnel and dove off of it onto Bullet Club to kick things off real real f- like fast and hot here um, with the dudes with attitudes then rushing the stage and a big brawl to start here. Um... I still can't get over that we got to see Stig and Shingo tag team and do like tag team maneuvers with like dueling sentons. Uh, we had Sting no selling a double super kick. Um, we had St- Sting just like, man, I, I just love Sting in, in AEW. I think he is so good. I think the company uses him so well. Um, I think my only gripe with this match is that Shingo didn't get to do as much as I would have liked to see. Um, he did end up winning it for his team, so I can't like complain that they didn't give Shingo a win here. Shingo pinned ELP, which kind of serves as a preview because these two are going to meet in the G1. Um, I believe they're both in the same block. So, um, I mean, at least, you know, some fairly consistent booking that they booked like a preview tag for that. Um, but outside of it, this was just like a really fun tag team match. I think El Phantasmo and the, the Young Bucks work really good as a trios unit. Uh, so while I don't expect to see them tag team again, since Matt and Nick technically aren't in Bullet Club, uh, it is, it was cool, I will say. I think that if they were to do it again, El Phantasmo teaming with Matt and Nick, just, it works so good with, like, the heel personas, they really click and they just feel like, he feels like another young buck with how he wrestles. Um, it is definitely a shame that we didn't get Hiromu. Um, especially because the guy, you know, had special gear made up that he tweeted out. But I, I would assume he'll make an appearance in AEW sometime this summer during the G1. They don't need him right now. Um, and he could very well come over for AEW and Impact tapings and New Japan Strong. Um, and get used elsewhere. So, all, and, you know, Pac has the All-Atlantic Championship. And I would very much like to see Pac and Hiromu wrestle. So if they want to do that, I would be very happy. Um, the dudes with attitudes would win, uh, thanks to Shingo. So, uh, we also did get Sting 
no selling a titty twister from El Phantasmo and then giving El Phantasmo his own titty twister. So if that's what you're into, you got it. Um, just a ton of fun. The AEW Women's World Championship would be on the line here uh, with Thunder Rosa taking on Tony Storm. Uh, they went around tw- uh, 10 minutes. And again, I really... So I haven't looked at the Rampage spoilers, but we'll talk about it when we get to it. But Nyla Rose is taking on Tony Storm. Nyla Rose is the number one contender technically right now. My hope is that Tony Storm wins that match because I kind of want to see them go again with a you know more build, more stakes, and some more time. Because they went 10 minutes, and I thought that they worked, like, a good style together. Like, I thought their wrestling clicked really well. It's just that it felt like it... The ending felt anticlimactic just because they hadn't established Thunder Rosa using the Final Reckoning, Dustin Rhodes' move. So, I'm kind of hoping that we get another match between these two. Um, Mainly just because I would want to see it, but also just because... I feel like there's more to be done with them rather than Tony just, you know, kind of falling down the card for a bit. Um, but Thunder Rosa would win. I thought that these two had a, a pretty solid match. Um, probably my favorite title defense. Uh, you know what? I don't know if I'd say that because uh, I really enjoyed Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. Um, but, you know, with the Deeb match and this match with Tony Storm, definitely two really good title defenses for, for Thunder Rosa. So hopefully she can continue it. And she is about to pick up some steam here, because if regardless whoever she beats or whoever she faces next in AEW, Tony or Nyla, that's another match. Um, if it's Tony, it's going to be another like probably really good match. If it's Nyla, I would hope that they can outdo themselves from the first one. Um, but then she's going to be facing Taya Valkyrie in AAA, and she's going to be heading over to Tokyo Joshi Pro um, in Japan as well. Uh, so, you know, she's got some, uh, some big stuff coming up for her. I'm interested to see if they're going to keep the title on Rosa, uh, or if they're going to do, uh, if, again, if she's facing Nyla, I don't think Nyla has a chance to win. If it's Tony, I can see Tony winning, but we'll see. Um, but regardless, I thought that was a pretty good match. Then, we would have our IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship match with Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy, and we would see Juice Robinson... Uh, he would be hanging out in a skybox with Hikaleo and El Fantasma with the actual physical belt, but uh, Will and Orange were not fighting over a physical belt because Juice still will not give it up. So, um, yeah. Oh, God, excuse me. My allergies are just awful today. Um, so, again, Osprey versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, this was definitely a hot you know, button topic going into the show for, like, hardcore New Japan fans of, like, oh, why are they wasting Will with Osprey? Because for some reason, hardcore New Japan fans, they like Yano, but they don't like Orange Cassidy. Uh, I never will understand that. But anyways, these two definitely put that to rest here. These two had an absolutely blow-away, incredible match here. Um, probably one of my favorite IWGP United States Championship matches. I thought that they just went all out here. The crowd was into this from start to finish. Um, they worked a really good pace for this, I feel. Um, with Osprey just dominating uh, to start off and just keeping Cassidy grounded and just beating him up. Basically just bullying the guy. Um, Cassidy would eventually come back and would try and, you know, play some mind games here with his his shitty little kicks. And then he would just go to town and he would fight back. 
Um, we had some really, really big near falls later in the match. Um, uh, Cassidy got to kick out of the uh, Hidden Blade, which everybody bought on, um, despite Osprey not often winning with it anymore. Um, but, like, you know, it's still a really devastating-looking move. So, you know, they got the crowd to bite. And um, we would have a beach break that Osprey got out of. Uh, but eventually, he would be put down with the Stormbreaker, and Will Ospreay would retain. And then post-match, Aussie Open would beat up Orange Cassidy. They would try to rip out his pockets. And uh, as the three of them, uh, Osprey and Aussie Open, looked to, to you know basically just kill Orange Cassidy here, the surprise of the night would happen. As Shibata's music would hit, and Shibata would run down, taking out Aussie Open, and then coming to blows with Will Ospreay, as we would set up a potential match here with Will Ospreay and Shibata. And then we would get the moment that will, I think, forever be ingrained with people on this show, as Orange Cassidy and Shibata would stand off in the middle of the ring, and Orange Cassidy would tease putting his sunglasses on, but would then put them on Shibata, as the two would pose together. What a, what an incredible incredible time this was with this this match that these two had Cassidy and Osprey and then the the Shibata surprise and then the Shibata tease for him versus Osprey and then Shibata and Orange Cassidy together this was just great stuff this is what you want from a crossover show um, it was just really good wrestling and a, like a really good you know post match uh, Zack Saber Jr would be up next as he would be facing the mystery replacement for Brian Danielson. And as they, they did a, a good job here as so Zach came out, good reaction. And then they started playing the music. They didn't show the Titan Tron at first. They just showed crowd reactions. And as soon as the crowd saw the Swiss flag, I think they knew what was happening. Monster ovation here for Claudio Castagnoli, the former Cesaro in WWE. He comes out, the crowd just treats this guy like he is the star of the company. Um, and in the span of, again, you can, not, you can make the claim that Cesaro, or Claudio, sorry, was made into a star in this match alone. But between this and Blood and Guts, because he would fill in for Danielson in Blood and Guts, it already feels like they have excelled at building Claudio as like a main event level guy in two nights compared to what WWE could not do over the span of like a decade with this guy. Um, so it just seemed very clear that everybody was happy to have him there. Um, and rightfully so. Him and Sabre had a really fun match here. We kicked things off with a uh, an uppercut and then uh, the neutralizer teasing that this was just going to be a squash match and Sabre got out it too. Um... He did do the swing later on. Uh, on the outside, Sabre would lock in a submission, and Claudia would just lift him up and carry him into the ring while the submission was still applied. That was crazy. Um, and Claudia would eventually win with the Ricola bomb um, in almost 20 minutes. Uh, so, you know, going from lo- jobbing, basically, to, to Happy Corbin on SmackDown uh, in, in his final WWE match to... Uh, going 20 minutes with Zack Sabre Jr. in a sold-out United Center that treated him like he was one of the biggest stars on the show. Uh, you love to see it. Uh, we would get our four-way, our second four-way of the night for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. I believe they said this was the first time it was ever contested with a fatal four-way. 
Uh, it would be Jay White with Gato coming out in his corner, uh, taking on Hangman Page, Kazuchika Okada, and Adam Cole. Uh, I thought that this this was the longest match on the show. Uh, it went 21 minutes. I thought this was a great match. Um, I know I was one of the I was in the crowd of people who wanted this to be a singles match. I was perfectly okay with this being a four way by the end of it. Um, I thought all four guys looked incredible here. Uh, Cole, for what it's worth, I thought with everything he did in this match, made it you know like he he made it. He I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this. He. He made it feel like he deserved to be there. Like, Okada, White, and Page, all I think everybody would agree would make sense for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. But you see Cole, um, and with how hard he's been pushed lately, and, you know, it just feels like he was somebody who didn't need to be in this. But by the end of it, I think it was worth it. Unfortunately, we would have our big injury on the show come here with Adam Cole, uh, as he would apparently become con- uh, concussed at some point. Uh, and that led to a very wonky finish where it looked like he was supposed to take the Rainmaker, but he dropped, uh, so he didn't take it. Jay looked like he noticed something was up and immediately went to go pin Cole to end the match, um, and that would be it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it kind of came out of nowhere, um, especially because, again, Cole didn't take a move here, so he got concussed on something beforehand, and then Jay came in, hit the Blade Runner on Okada, and Okada rolled out, and then it allowed Jay to pin Cole. Um, just unfortunate. Again, the match itself was great. The finish was kind of out of their control, um, but I'm glad that they ended it quickly and were able to just you know get Cole out of there. Apparently, he was able to walk out on his own, so that's good. Um, but no timetable for his return. But on a show that was so plagued by injuries and you know match changes. This was the one that happened actually on the show, unfortunately. But the actual match itself was really great. So, uh, can't complain about that. Uh, That would send us to the main event, which would be John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the interim AEW World Championship. And, you know, since it was for the interim championship, I feel like this technically, like, in booking-wise, should have gone on on the semi-main event, but with the Adam Cole injury and the way that match finished, I think they kind of lucked out here by having him swapped. Um, Also, because Moxley and Tanahashi was technically the bigger match, like, build-wise. So, I guess, you know, makes sense. Um, Very physical match between these two. Uh, I don't think many people would have expected, like, blood in a Tanahashi match like this, but again, looking at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, you know, you did have that street fight with... uh, Kenta, who just, like, died. But, uh, you know, physical match, and I thought really good for what it's worth. I thought him and Moxley, they delivered in a way that, you know, the fans were looking forward to for, for quite some time, and they finally did it. Um, and, yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Uh, not the match of the show. I think Cassidy and uh, Osprey would get that. But it was definitely really good. The Like, the, the whole... Again, the entire show was absolutely fucking phenomenal, but, like, the the stretch of Osprey uh, versus Casty, Claudio versus Zack, the four-way, and Moxie versus Tanahashi, just some incredible wrestling there. Um, so, yeah. Um, very excited to see what comes next with, uh, with whenever we do another one of these crossover shows. Uh, we don't have to wait too long for another crossover, because like, match, because we know Yoshihashi and Goto are facing the Young Bucks on Rampage. 
and we know obviously Lance Archer is in the the G1. So, um, yeah, but very exciting stuff. I enjoyed the hell out of Forbidden Door. Um, so, no real complaints for me on that front. I thought it was a really well paced show compared to Double or Nothing, which just was kind of a slog to get through. I thought I thought this was definitely one of like the best pay per views AEW has done. One of the New Japan's best shows is in a while. Um, and it's just like, you know, it has me excited for, for more stuff between the two companies. It has me excited for New Japan to eventually, you know, get their fans to be able to, like, chant and cheer and, and clap again. So, uh, yeah. But that was Forbidden Door. And next up on the docket, we have Blood and Guts from Wednesday, June 29th on AW Dynamite. So, coming off of Forbidden Door, we would get Blood and Guts as the big Fallout episode for uh, the show. Kind of just how it was scheduled. There, that was part of the you know the the lack of real strong build for Forbidden Door. Is uh, it was coming off of AEW's Double or Nothing pay per view, and then they had to wait for Dominion to finish up for New Japan, and then AEW was also building to Blood and Guts. So there was just a a lot going on, but um, you know, it is what it is. Anyways. Uh, we're going to talk about the show. So, uh, and it just so happens to work out that because I'm, I'm recording this later than planned, we can also talk about the coveted ratings for AW Dynamite. Uh, spoiler, they were good. So, uh, let's just get into things. Uh, there would not be much announced for this show uh, until, like, the day of. Um, I think going into it, we had two matches announced on Tuesday. Uh, so we had the Blood and Guts match that we knew of, obviously. Then they announced Jade was defending her title against uh, Layla Gray in an open challenge. And then Wednesday they would announce Orange Cassidy versus Ethan Page. And uh, Dan Housen and two mystery opponents versus The Gun Club and Max Caster. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Ethan Page and Orange Cassidy would kick off the show. Um, before the match, Dan Lambert would cut down a promo, or cut a promo, running down uh, Orange Cassidy and the best friends, because, spoiler, Orange Cassidy would come out with the best friends, Chuck is back, uh, him and Trent are here in uh, tie-dye rainbow jumpsuits, or tracksuits, and no more where is my mind. The, the rumors were true, Orange Cassidy would debut his new theme song, his new old theme song, uh, from the indie scene, Jane, by Jefferson Starship. A much better theme song, in my opinion. Um, and it got a fantastic reaction from this crowd because they kicked off the show playing the song and had the nice intro. And then as soon as the, you know, the I guess the, the beat uh, or the rhythm kicks in um, and the, the guitars and the drums come in, uh, the Titan Tron would come up with Orange Cast, a huge pop. I think this works so much better, personally. Um, Lambert would get the best friends uh, kicked out from ringside because they did not have a valid managerial license. Uh, so it would stack the odds against Orange Cassidy. And they told a very easy story here with Cassidy continually trying to body slam uh, Ethan Page, but he couldn't do it. Ethan Page was too big and too strong. Uh, but eventually, Cassidy would be able to do it. Uh, he would, uh, he would get put up into a, uh, like a power slam position, um, but he would get out of it, um, and we would get the, the stun dog millionaire, um, then and another, uh, like, I think this was the second attempt for the body slam. It took him two tries, so, or three tries, so the second one was after this, 
Um, and the satellite DDT for a big near fall. Lambert then got on the ring with his orange juice in his hand. Um, and we would have Cassidy taking the drink. Um, and we'd have him playfully slapping him. Uh, eventually, we would get the orange, like one orange punch to Ethan Page, then orange miss to Dan, and then a second orange punch, and then the power slam would land, or the body slam. And Orange Cassidy would pick up the win, nailing two back-to-back orange punches and a body slam to Ethan Page. Uh, fun little start to the show. This match didn't really mean all that much. Um, but, you know, a nice singles win for Orange Cassidy and reestablishing the best friends are, are still a thing. Um, no Chris Statlander, so it does seem like she is technically out of the group, which is fine. I think she is on to bigger and better things with Athena um, in the TBS division, so... They can always do a reunion later down the line. Um, but, yeah, uh, a fun little start to the show. Uh, I do hope that eventually Ethan Page can start putting some things together. Um, maybe after Scorpio Sky drops the TNT title. Um, I just I, I want to see more for Ethan Page. Um, but as an Orange Cassidy fan, I was happy to see him get the win here. And very happy to see Chunk, uh, Chuck, Trent, and Orange all together. Um, so... Uh, and we would get the the hug and the cam like the rainmaker camera. So uh, nice to, nice stuff here. After uh, after a commercial break, we would come back and have Tony Schiavone on the stage for an interview with Christian Cage. And this is following up. I'm that's genuinely upset we didn't do a review for Dynamite last week with Christian's insane promo. Um, I am of the opinion that Christian Cage is doing some of the best work of his career right now in this new heel role. Um, just absolutely wonderful stuff. Uh, he comes out in the turtleneck again, and he says that upper management asked him to apologize for the insensitive comments he made last week about Jungle Boy's father, and he's never apologized for anything before, and so he is sorry. But he's sorry because Jack's entire family isn't dead. This was insane, but like... It was so good. Um, and then he, he walks it back and says, uh, not his entire family. Uh, his mom should still call me. Um, just, he's such a shithead, but in the best way. Um, Christian then runs down to Troy, and then he's, uh, he introduces, uh, he says that he, he asked for a match, but not for himself. And we get some new music playing. It's some dark music. We have an insane pyro display coming out here as dark luchasaurus makes his entrance it's luchasaurus in all black gear and a black dinosaur mask and serpentico is in the ring cowering in fear um and we get the we get the he just like nails a headbutt um and then he goes for what they say is the snare trap, but with a uh like a nerve grasp or like something he did some variation of, of Jungle Boy's snare trap, but with like a, a more like attack on the neck area. Um, and he would win. And after the match, uh, Christian would send him back into the ring to uh, continue beating down Serpentigo. Uh, so this week one of Luchasaurus with Christian. I was kind of expecting it to take longer, but, you know, I guess not. Uh, sure. I, again, they're like... The ceiling for Luchasaurus as a singles competitor with, like, the the, the babyface Luchasaurus gimmick I don't think was very high. Like, he's a very entertaining wrestler, but he's somebody, like... There's only so much you can ask of your audience for, like, allowing 
certain gimmicks to be like what they are and if you're going to continue to try and grow the company i don't think luchasaurus as like a baby face like serious competitor uh as it was like a singles guy is going to work so i think splitting him up and putting him with christian as christian's like muscle for this feud with jungle boy definitely makes sense and i'm assuming this is probably the end of jungle boy to some extent i'm assuming when he comes back he's going to start going by jack perry um, which I think is a smart move. Like, as we're getting more... Like, as we're getting further into AEW, I think it's time that Jungle Boy changes it up. Um, you know, people are clamoring for, like, him to get a push. Everybody knows how good he is over the past three years. Um, but he's not, like... Again, when you look at, like, trying to grow, you don't want one of your main stars to just be named Jungle Boy because, you know, makes him sound kind of goofy so if he goes by like jungle boy jack perry or jungle jack perry or just jack perry i think it's much better um so we'll see but i'm excited for this feud between um jack and christian and uh, luchasaurus um and again i think luchasaurus entrance is really good i think they need to do a little more work um to get him over as like a, a big heel um i do not know if that that submission is going to to get over so, but, you know, we can experiment for a bit. We got some time, um, and I feel like this is going to be a long story, so uh, I'm sure they'll get to it. But uh, I'm excited. I really like what Christian's doing. I think Luchasaurus going heel makes sense, and so far, so good. Uh, backstage, we got a little promo with uh, Wardlow and Scorpio Sky. Uh, this was setting up next week where Wardlow will get his TNT Championship uh, opportunity, so Scorpio Sky is cleared. Uh, after a brief little injury, so that is good that we're getting Scorpio Sky back. Um, Wardlow said that he's done talking. Um, he's sick of all these, you know, back and forth. He wants Sky to bring all of American Top Team because he'll treat them like security, uh, beat Scorpio's ass, and then take the title home where it belongs. Uh, and Scorpio says that because he, think, uh, he thinks he's so tough, he's going to make a, a street fight next week. So I would assume that we're getting lots of interference in their match next week, but... At least Scorpio seems to be cleared, and we're getting a TNT Championship match. We go to Danhausen versus the Ass Boys and Max Caster. Uh, we had Dan, uh, we had Max's rap, which was kind of low key for the most part, though he did make a uh, a reference to making the audience drink all of the tap water in Flint, Michigan. Um, and then Danhausen would come out to a great reaction, and he would introduce his partners, who he said are. Pretty good at wrestling, he thinks. And it's FTR who come out to a fantastic reaction here. Match itself wasn't anything too spectacular. Uh, FTR and Danhausen are incredibly over. Uh, it would get a little sloppy uh, toward the latter moments of this with Dax and Austin clearly like miscommunicating or botching something. Um, Danhausen would come in and try to go for the go-to-sleep he would call for it. Um, which they did call as, uh, I think, I think Excalibur said that it was just the curse. So I guess his variant of the GTS is going to be called the curse. Um, which makes sense. Um, but, uh, Anthony Bowens gets out of his wheelchair and slides into the ring with his crutch, uh, to distract Danhausen, but he, and he goes to hit him, but as, uh, as Aubrey's distracted by, I think it was Max or Billy on the floor, uh, but... Danhausen uh, like gets out of the way and he he takes out uh, Austin Gunn with it, and Danhausen gets to pin him and that's it. So coming out of this, uh, FTR and Danhausen get a win as a very random trio but a fun one. Uh, 
and the uh, the baby faces Danhausen and FTR just beat up the wheelchair that that you know uh, Bowens was in, and we had a confrontation here between the acclaimed and the ass boys, and Billy shoves down Austin Gunn and seems to side with the acclaimed. Oh boy, um, very interesting stuff. But I'm happy to have. Anthony Bowen's back. Uh, he had some really standout performances uh, like the last year in singles matches. So I'm happy that he's cleared, it seems, to be back. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we get FTR versus The Acclaimed at some point. Um, you know, we do have Death Before Dishonor coming up. I don't think that they're going to have Tully Blanchard Enterprises necessarily go for the tag titles right away. But we'll see. Um, so The Acclaimed could be a fair option to just toss on there. But, you know. We have a couple weeks. I think it's July 23rd, I believe, is the date. So, uh, you know, they still have most of July. Speaking of Ring of Honor, we would get a backstage promo from Sanjay Dutt, Jay Lethal, and Satnam Singh uh, demanding that Samoa Joe put the ROH World Television Championship on the line against Jay Lethal, the longest-reigning Ring of Honor television champion, uh, or to vacate the title. Uh, so I would assume that Samoa Joe will probably be back within the next week to, you know, announce that he's putting the title on the line or just to confront them. Um, but yeah. The AEW TBS Championship would be on the line with Jade Cargill's open challenge where she would face Layla Gray. Uh, Cargill was out with Stokely and Kira Hogan. Still no Red Velvet, as I believe she's also down with injury. Um... And obviously we know that the baddie search is going on, so uh, we'll see if anybody gets added to this group. Uh, this was just Jade running through Layla Gray, uh, as it should have been. After the match, Stokely would get on the mic, but Jade would rip it away and says that she's tired of the fans and the women in the back bitching and moaning. And she tells that next time Stokely has to give her some real competition. And he says that he knows why she's fired up. And uh, it's because... Last night at 11.49, she put out the opportunity to everyone in the locker room, and the woman that stepped up doesn't even work here. He calls out Chris Statlander and Athena, saying that they're not overlooked, they're just lazy, um, and this would prompt Athena and Chris to come out. And we'd get a little a little brawl here. Um, Jade went for the pump kick, but Athena dodged it. Chris took out uh, Kira. And then we would have... Um, we'd have... What's her face? Um, I think it was Athena hit a drop kick to Jade, which took her down, and then Chris would grab Jade to hold her up for the O face. But Layla Gray would be uh, coerced by Stokely Hathaway. He whispered something in her ear, and she would run in to help Jade and Kira. She then went for a handshake by Jade, uh, or she went for a handshake with Jade, and Jade would just, you know, brush her off. And so it seems that, you know. Stokely was willing to make a deal, but Jade doesn't want it, so uh, no Layla Gray. Interesting stuff. Um, again, I do. I, the match itself wasn't anything like, but they didn't really have anything to do this week. It definitely would have felt very random if they just tossed on Jade versus Athena or Jade versus Chris this week. Um, so this is fine. It was all about the post match, um, and so Jade was not impressed with Layla. It seems so. It makes sense that she wasn't put into the group. But they still used her as a, you know, a way to even the odds. Uh, very excited for when we do get Chris versus uh, Jade and, I guess, Athena versus Jade as well. Um, and I would assume, depending on how long Red Velvet's out, 
possibly the trios match, or it'll be, you know, Jade and Kira and a mystery person versus Willow, uh, Chris and Athena. But I'm actually enjoying this feud so far, so um, gets a thumbs up from me. Uh, we had an ad from, or not an ad from, an ad for Grand Slam. So that is happening again. We saw this uh, during Forbidden Door, but exciting stuff because we, me, we meaning uh, Ryan, Joey, and myself went to Grand Slam last year, and I'm sure we're going to try and go again this year. It's the end of September, so uh, hopefully we can make it up, and maybe with more of our group this time. But it was a, a wonderful time last year. Minus, minus. Let me stress this: fifty dollars for parking. Uh, absolute insanity. Um, but uh, it was a good time. Uh, we got a Young Bucks promo from backstage. Um, and they uh, they talk about how their friends, uh, in the form of Red Dragon and Adam Cole, are all hurt and not cleared. Cutler's not even there tonight. They had to, you know, put out an ad and they got some guy named Fred to film for them. Um... And they said that they don't even have one friend left here except the tag titles. They also teased that they might have, like, one person. I think a lot of people are expecting that to be Hangman. Uh, so I do think the reunion between the Bucks and Hangman is most likely going to happen at some point this year. But we'll see. Um, and they said that they heard that Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, Bishamon, won a tag team title match. But they have to beat them on Rampage first. And so this sets our, our Rampage match, which is a basically a, a, a championship contenders match with uh, Bishamon, Yoshihashi, and Hiroki Goto versus the Young Bucks. Pretty exciting stuff, I'm not going to lie. As a big fan of those two, uh, I'm happy they're there. Uh, we would also get other stuff announced for Rampage with Tony Storm versus Nyla Rose, which is seemingly a number one contenders match for Thunder Rosa. And then the big announcement was the first ever Royal Rampage match. It's two rings and 20 men. Uh, so whoever wins this basically Rumble-style match uh, will be facing John Moxley for the interim AW World Championship. So there you go. And that would send us to the main event with the Blackpool Combat Club, Claudio Castagnoli, John Moxley, and Wheeler Yuta, teaming with Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz, versus the Jericho Appreciation Society, uh, which is Angelo Parker, Chris Jericho, Daniel Garcia, Jake Hager, Daddy Magic, and Sammy Guevara with Ty Conti. Uh, and all of the JAS were out in matching absolutely ridiculous gear uh, with, like... Uh, all wearing like red fishnet vest fedoras uh, and red shiny pants and Ty was matching them with a dress an absolutely insane look um, I'm not gonna recap this whole match uh, that would take too long because this match went basically an hour um, but this was a great main event and just an absolutely insane thing to see on live television. Uh, they started with Claudio, and I think that was a really smart decision. Risky decision with the injury bug going on in AEW, but a smart one. As, you know, he just came in, and they set him up as the Iron Man here, and he went the distance for his team, and would be the one to win it for his team as well. Um, but him and Sammy started off here, and there were some scary spots with Sammy getting tied up in the ropes a few times. Um, but, yeah... Um, this was just insane. Again, I'm not going to recap this whole match. It would take way too long. But uh, very bloody, very violent. Uh, Matt Menard and Angelo Parker are two guys that, you know, back-to-back -back matches, like big gimmick matches with uh, Anarchy in the Arena and now here. 
they're really standing out with their their like what they're willing to do. Um, I think the shot of the night for a lot of people is going to be Angelo Parker hanging off the outside of the blood and guts cage, just pouring blood out of his body. Um, Sammy Guevara would be the one to go off the cage this year and in a much better spot than the Jericho MJF one from last year. Uh, he would get tossed off and would go flying off the cage through uh, an elevated timekeeper's table, which, like, yeah, it was very clearly gimmicked, but it just looked better. Um, so, uh, yeah, we would get the giant swing on top of the cage. Uh, the most unfortunate thing in the match was Santana, who came in and hit a urinage on, I think, Garcia. Um, and his knee just, like, buckled. And he was out of the match for the entirety. Uh, he hit one move, basically, and then was done. And he just sat on the outside uh, and then was helped to the back. Um, absolutely unfortunate. You really hate to see that Santana was just kind of left out there. Um, like, Or not left out there, but that he was supposed to you know, be in this match and then just got left out because he got injured. Um, so hopefully it's nothing too serious. Um, but really sucks for him. Um, but... It's just everybody in wrestling is getting injured right now. This isn't even exclusive to AEW. They're getting hit the hardest with this, but like uh, pretty much every company has people out with injury right now, which is it's just one of those times. Um, just bad timing. Um, Wheeler Yuta continued to look really good in this match and super over with the crowd. Uh, Daniel Garcia is great. Um, him and Yuta would go at it here, and I'm, I'm definitely assuming that we're going to be getting uh, Garcia versus Yuta at Death Before Dishonor for the pure title, which is good. Uh, Moxley got a huge reaction when he came in. Um, I think people are obviously very behind him as champ right now. Um, and we also got a really good, just like beefy beatdown between Jake Hager and uh, Claudio with people doing the We the People champ for them. So, you know, nice little homage to their history together. Um, and it would come down to uh, a battle of the submissions on top of the cage with... Um, Eddie and Jericho, uh, Eddie would lock in the uh, the stretch plum, I believe is what it's called. It's what he beat Jericho with at Revolution. And Claudio would lock in the sharpshooter on Daddy Magic. And it was honestly a pretty well done finish here. Like, it wasn't the most exciting finish, but storyline-wise, it makes sense. Um, Menard would tap out before Jericho, which would mean that Claudio would win the match for his team and... Eddie looked kind of, like, pissed and confused. Like, it was supposed to be his moment to, you know, tap out Jericho and get the win here. But instead, Claudio had to come in as, you know, somebody that he doesn't like. And he would, you know, get the win for his team. And Claudio would, again, go the distance here. He would he would start the match and would be the one to end it for his team. And post-match, the baby faces minus Santana would all climb up on top of the cage and we'd have a really good shot of all of them with their hands raised as the crowd just was losing their minds for this. Um, you could not have asked for a better crowd for this show. Uh, they ate up everything. And they it was just really fun. Uh, a really fun episode of Dynamite, I will say. Uh, I thought the first hour flew by. Again, not the most exciting first hour, but still a fun show. And then the, the second hour was literally dedicated just to blood and guts. And I thought they delivered. They went out with a, a point to prove coming off of last year's show, which uh, obviously got mixed reviews because you had a really good match, but the ending fell flat for everybody. Uh, and I think this year they, they upped it. So uh, can't really complain. And because I'm doing this show at 
4.30 in the afternoon on Thursday, I can mention that the ratings for AEW are in, and they did quite well. They, uh, they're back over a million, um, so they did uh, 1.02 million and a, 36, a .36 in the demo. Um, so coming off you know, a string of like low shows, they're back over a million finally. Um, and I'm sure that there's going to be people saying that, you know, oh, they had to put a blood and guts thing on and like, no, this was just, you know, a big show that people were excited for is coming off of Forbidden Door, a show that had everybody talking. Uh, will they be over a million next week? I don't know. Probably not, but you never know. Uh, just, you know. It was a really good show. I, I think that they deserve the rating, and uh, yeah. So, love to see it. Uh, AEW did really well this week. Uh, they had a great pay-per-view on Sunday. They had a great uh, TV show last night, and they got rewarded, so you love to see it. Anyways, that's going to be it for me. A uh, longer episode than I was planning on it, but to be fair, I did talk about two shows entirely. Um, so if you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a comment. Uh, let me know what you're looking forward to with AEW in the future. Who do you think's going to... Uh, I don't ask who's going to win the Royal Rampage because there's spoilers out. Um, uh, who do you think is going to be the next... Who do you think is going to be the first challenger for PAC? There you go. Uh, for the All-Atlantic Championship in AEW. Uh, be sure to follow us over on Twitter at Deep Six Wrestling without the G. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We appreciate it. Thank you for 150 subscribers, by the way. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys in the next episode that I'm a part of. Um, and, uh, yeah, so thanks for listening. <laughs>